Bibles. We're going to go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We read this two weeks ago at the start of this series on social media. We're going to end it this week. We're going to end it with the same verse. Verses. You always first. Sarah's always first. Y'all, I need somebody to beat Sarah next week. Hey, y'all calm down. All right, well, I've got five people there. Is anybody else there? Thank you. Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer, excuse me, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let us pray. Father, I praise you. Thank you so much for this church. Father, the people of this church. Um, Father, I praise you yesterday. Just uh, so many victories. That's uh, what I love about what you've done with this church, Father. Just yesterday, we had a shower. We had a wedding. It's been awesome to watch you grow this church, Father. It's been awesome to watch you move. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the humility that's come along with that. Father, I want to thank you for the trust of these people. Bojo was talking about that earlier. Just, uh, it always blows my mind, Father, that you would have this, <laughs> have this many people trust me and Bojo and Mikey and not so much Cheryl, but, you know, us three for sure. Father, I praise you for that. And, and Father, I thank you for the people that you've put around us that continue to lift us up, continue to lead us. And I thank you for the sermon that you've given me today, this series on social media. Uh, Father, this was something that I was excited to preach on. You made me wait a while, but uh, Father, I have no doubt that your timing is perfect and you'll, you'll give us confirmation of that. So Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, that you take all of my nerves, Anxiety, anger, Father, these things that are distracting me, I ask that you take them away and you throw them into the sea and you replace them, Father, with your patience, your love. And Father, today, your, uh, your wisdom on this subject, I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. We're going to start with a little light humor. Um, so we've done this social media series, and, and throughout the weeks, I keep hearing these little jokes, and, and as I'm searching and studying on this series, and I'm studying on the sermon, all these little jokes keep popping up. So I, I, I found a lot of different jokes on social media, and I picked out what I thought was the, the best five. We'll go with the first one. If you could pull that up for me, Nick. Facebook is now hiring. No need to apply. We already have all your details. Next, what's Forrest Gump's social media password? <laughs> one Forrest One. Next, accidentally changed my Facebook status to single and my mother-in-law posted, woo-hoo. <laughs> that's, that's not, that, 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 never mind. What's the opposite of social media? Social life, that's the truth of it. And then the last one, 
What is Captain Hook's least favorite social media? TikTok. Excellent. Y'all didn't think that was that funny, but that's okay. I, those were my top five. Y'all get over it. I thought they were funny. For the last two weeks, I've been teaching, uh, teaching this sermon series on social media. I've talked about how through my studies, God has shown me seven major traps of social media that can lead you down a path of destruction. These traps can lead you to pride, selfishness, anger, deceit, gossip, corruption, bullying, slander, depression, anxiety, and even divorce and death. Those seven traps, if you could pull those up for me, Nick. The time trap, temptation trap, secrecy trap, venting trap. These are the four that we have studied so far in the last two weeks. Today we will finish this series with persuasion trap, comparison trap, and the false comfort trap. Okay, so we're going to start, obviously, with false comfort trap. Let's go to that. Obviously, social media, social media it's, it's made us unsociable, right? I mean, we, we, because of social media, we don't have to do the things we used to have to do. I mean, if you think about it, we've started using a social media or our cell phones basically as a pacifier. I mean, that's, that's the best way that I think I can put it. When you're in an uncomfortable environment, you pull it out. I'm guilty of this. Take my cell phone out as soon as I get in an environment that might be uncomfortable. I want you to think about it, how many times you've walked into a doctor's office and you sit down in the waiting room. I don't know if y'all do this, but I do. As soon as I sit down, I, I, it's just in my head. I, I look up and see how many people are on their cell phones. The majority of the time, it's, you know, 90% are on their cell phones. Who in here can remember the days of going to the doctor's office and you're sitting in the waiting room and you get to know somebody a whole lot better? Because you're waiting for a long time. Yeah. Those conversations don't happen anymore, guys. You think about going to the grocery store and you bump into somebody that you know. Now you're bumping into somebody because you got your cell phone in your face. You go to restaurants. I can remember as a kid going to restaurants We never, of course, we grew up in a small town, but in Linden, Texas, we never went in a restaurant where we didn't know somebody that was there. That was a great time to catch up, have good conversations, check on their families, even pray with each other. My suggestion with you guys today is when you start to get in those uncomfortable situations, when you're walking into a room and you're like, oh, this is awkward, you know, and so forth, instead of picking up your cell phone, why don't you start to pray? You know, God, I'm fixing to walk in this room. Don't feel real comfortable, but I know being on my cell phone is not really going to build your kingdom today. So give me the opportunity to build your kingdom in this waiting room. Father, put somebody on my path. Don talks about this a lot. I know he, of course, you know, he would go to the doctor's office, and there were numerous times that God would put somebody on his heart sitting in that room that he needed to go pray with. And he would go and pray with them, and then there's a testimony after that every single time. That's building the kingdom. Sticking your face in your cell phone is not, but again, it's become our pacifier. In those rooms, I want you to think about it. When you do go to, <laughs> when you do go to those rooms, I just proved the point, who is it that usually talks? The older people. 
They didn't have cell phones growing up. I mean, I just proved the point. It's sad, but guys, that's, that's a big issue with our world today is our younger generation, again, they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to sit in a room where they know no one and be comfortable. Now, that might sound like, Micah, that's, yeah, I get it. Like, that's just part of life. No, guys, I need you. That's a problem. That's a big problem. In talking about that, we're fixing to get down to one of these other comforts, and you'll start to see where that's become an issue. Just that right there, that uncomfortableness, that anxiety walking in a room because you don't know anybody, it's tumbled into a lot of problems. We'll get there here in just a minute. Our world has made it normal to communicate through text, DMs, and emails. I'd say there were these two dudes one time. This was just a few years ago. These two guys, and uh, it was actually the youth event. And uh, I could tell by watching these guys, I was kind of over a certain group of, of boys, teenagers. And I could tell by watching these two, they were texting these two girls that were across the room. They're texting back and forth, and I'm watching, you know, they'll kind of look up, and they'll kind of giggle, and then the other one will look up and giggle. And I walked over to these two boys, and I couldn't help it. I just stuck my head right down the middle of them. And I said, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I said, if I was y'all's age, you wouldn't stand a chance. Y'all are sitting here texting these girls. They're right there. Go communicate with them. But the problem, guys, I'm telling you, this is an issue in our younger generation today. If you think about this. I want you to take two kids, two, let's say 21-year-olds. They've been dating for eight, nine months, decide they're going to get married. Sometimes I'm very concerned with this younger generation. Do they even know how to communicate before they get married? There's a lot of couples that I see that don't have kids yet that literally they're in their living rooms and they're just texting the whole time, and they're playing something on their phone and so forth and so on. They're not having a conversation with their spouse. So here's what happens. It's all well and good when you get married, but what about when the tough times come along? What about when it's time to have those tough conversations? What about when your finances go terribly wrong, and you've got to figure out how to tell your wife that? I don't think you want to send her a text. That's something that you need to sit down and talk. Baby, you can't go to the mall today because this is the problem. A text message for that's not going to work well. It'd be like my wife. She'd be like, I didn't see it. She just goes to the mall. <laughs> Again, our children are not learning how to have these face-to-face conversations. I also feel like this is going to be a huge problem in the church. Uh, important conversations get misconstrued through text messages. This can cause all kinds of problems in church leadership. This is our future church leadership, guys. We've got to teach them how to have these conversations, how to have the face-to-face. And another, how to have the controversial conversations. We've talked about that a lot here in this church. Don't, don't ever send a text message when it's a controversial conversation. I'll be honest with you. you don't, it, that's the coward way out, and it's not going to work, Period. But this is what I'm concerned about with our church future. I'm concerned about that with the younger generation coming up. So it's our job as a church to teach our youth, not just the parents. It's our job as well to teach our youth how to communicate, how to handle those tough situations. Let's make sure we're doing our job, church. Amen? 
the number one uh, the number one thing that I think is going to actually cause this problem, like we were talking about with marriages, is that lack of communication. The cell phone and social media has also become our pacifier when we're bored. When we're bored, I want you to think about it. You're sitting in a room, you know, and, and you know you got 30 minutes to spare. What's the first thing you do? Grab that dang cell phone. I am extremely guilty of this, okay? I'm preaching to me too, all right? You got 30 minutes, and instead of picking up your phone and going through your fancy football lineup or looking at social media or checking, you know, whatever's going on in the sports world, just thinking about what I'm doing, why not take that time to pray, to open your Bible, the, the good text? Why not open that up? What I challenge you guys to do is when you get that 30 minutes of downtime and you want to pop your phone open, I just ask that you pray beforehand. Just pray. Even if it's just a five-minute conversation with God, at least you did that before you went to your cell phone. Just, I challenge you guys to do that because what I think is going to happen is in that 30-minute time frame that you have, I have a feeling you're going to pray for a lot longer than what you thought because you've given up something that has become an idol to us. I mean, basically, guys, it's idolatry. That's what it is. We're choosing a cell phone over our family, over our church, and over our own personal relationship with God. Look at Proverbs 16, 26. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Now, most of us know this verse, but it's the truth of it. If you go into 30 minutes on that cell phone and you don't pray ahead of time, I'm concerned where that cell phone might lead you. Pray for protection before you open that thing up for 30 minutes. Just being honest. The persuasion trap, that's what's next. Social media has uh, so much power when it comes to what you want to see, think, and feel. And I tell you, guys, trust me, if you allow them, they can have full control over this. Politics, religious, and social persuasion is nonstop on social media. You need to understand social media is only putting out the news that they want you to see, and I assure you, most of it is fake news. Now, I'm going to stop right there. One time, one time in this church, I have preached on, uh, on, on, on a political type uh, sermon, okay? Um, I need y'all to understand right now, I am not Democrat, I'm not Republican, I'm not right, I'm not left, I'm not liberal, I'm not conservative. I am a conservative Christian. That's what I am. So I'm not going to sit here and start bad-mouthing one side or the other. To be honest with you, I'm going to bad-mouth all of it, okay? Because, because here's my thought process on it. I don't want anybody to ever tell me how to vote. I want this to tell me how to vote. Amen? That's all I'm going to say about it. So we're going to move on. So far in 2022, it has been reported that out of all the news posted on social media, 67% was inaccurate or completely false. Five-eighths, almost three-fourths of your news that you're getting is completely false or completely inaccurate. Studies have also shown that fake news, this makes me sick, spreads six times faster than accurate news. Six times faster, guys. Why are they doing this? 
They're trying to manipulate you into believing what they want. That's called having an agenda. They're going to do whatever it takes to get their agenda heard, guys. They run that entire platform. The reason it goes six times faster is because they're controlling how many times it gets posted, how many times it gets shared, how many times it gets out there. They're paying for that. They have money to do that, money that we give them. It's a sad thing that fake news, six times faster than what's actually accurate. I'm going to move along. The Bible warns us about these types of people with agendas in Acts chapter 20, verse 3. Men will rise up, even from your own number, and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. I want you to notice there's two words here, or there's a few words here, even from your own number, okay? So I hope you all understand that means what you would call a so-called Christian. At some point, I've got a series coming up on Revelation, and it talks about the Antichrist a lot. I have no doubt that Satan is at major work right now in our country and in our world, and they're doing it through social media. And you think they're a part of your own number. I listen and, and see some, some pastors on social media. I'll be scrolling through, and I, and I see some things that they're doing some things that they're saying, and because it conforms to the way of the world, they're getting tons of likes and follows, but it's not following biblical word. I'm very concerned about this for our younger generation, and not just our younger generation. There's a lot of us older folks, too, that can get pulled into this as well. So how do we know who to listen to and who not to listen to? How do we determine the fake news from the real news? The answer is plain and simple. It's the Holy Spirit. You don't have another option. There's no way you're going to be able to tell what's fake and what's real. You'll never have proof of what's fake or what's real. You have to be strong in your relationship with the Holy Spirit to be able to use the discernment that he wants you to have to figure out what is fake and what is real. I want to go back and look at the very first verse, or the second verse that we read earlier, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but transform by renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means that you are consumed with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit controls your thoughts. He helps you with your thoughts. He points you in the right direction. He gives you discernment, okay? That's renewing of the mind. That's getting rid of all the old crud that's in your life. It's getting rid of all the old, the fake news and all that mess that's around you that's stressing you out and giving you anxiety, and you can't figure out what's up or down, and you can't figure out if the economy has crashed that day or not. You can't figure these things out because of all the fake news. But renewing of your mind means you block all that crap out. And you just say, God, give me your discernment. And all of a sudden, peace falls on you. 
Even the things that would stress you out, they don't stress you out anymore. Number one, because you just submitted to God, therefore he will exalt you. You've gone to God, he's going to lead you in the right direction. And real peace only comes from God. So when you go to God, he's going to give you that peace. And then again, if you ask for it, he'll give you that discernment. I also want to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite in the entire Bible. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, guys, false prophets, they're out there. I promise you. And you think they're one of your own. I'm telling you, they're out there. You test people. You test pastors. Do you understand me? Even the one standing in front of you. You don't have to, but go ahead. Seriously, I'm being honest. You know what I love about, I will say this. This is one thing I love about the, the technology that we have today. One of the first times that I preached on this stage, there was a group of, of our youth kids that were sitting right over here in this area, about where Flav is. Flav and Kalisa right there. And they were sitting there, and I'm preaching, and I was preaching on a tough topic. I remember it was on uh, suicide. That's what I was preaching on. And I had some things that I was talking about that I knew was kind of shaking the congregation a little bit, and I looked over at those younger youth, and they're all on their phone. Well, at first, I got really upset. They couldn't get off the dang phone. They quit texting. They were probably texting each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what these kids do now. Like, sitting next to each other. But that's not what they were doing. I found out afterwards they came up to me. And I love that I got the confirmation because I was. I was a little upset. They came up to me and they said, hey, when you said that, we immediately looked it up and you were absolutely right. I love that technology allows us to do that today. Guys, I want you to think about it. It's like I said at the beginning of this whole series. Social media can be a terrible thing and it can be a terrible, it can turn you into a tool. But if you use it for the right tool and if you use this technology that we have for the right tool, you can do great things with it. When I was a kid growing up, I couldn't question my pastor from that congregation. I didn't have that access. Whatever my pastor said, I stood on it, okay? I stood on it, and I ran with it. And another reason why you need to check things that I bring up is because sometimes you'll come across a verse in the Bible that there might be two answers to. Now, I'm going to shake some of y'all up, especially if you're Baptist background, Okay? That is very, very normal in the Bible, to read a certain verse, and you think, well, is that this way, or is that this way, and that's when you pray, and you say, God, show me the direction that I need to go. Where do you want my heart to go? And guess what? My heart may go in a different direction than, than, than Sarah's heart. Nothing wrong with that. The Holy Spirit is leading us in two different ways, and I'm going to tell you why. Because if she'd have came down my path, she wouldn't have grown the kingdom the way that God wanted her to. She needed to go down this path over here that he knew he was going to put people in place and take the way that she took that verse and grow the kingdom that direction. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, I'll quit talking about all that. You've got to make sure that you're testing these spirits. So what you do, okay, guys, when, you, when you're looking at news and you're trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, do I need to listen to this news outlet, do I need to listen to this individual, it's very simple, and I've taught this many times, but I'm going to teach it again. You pray about it, and you ask the Spirit. He says to test the spirits. You test the spirits, okay? So what you do is, I always think of it this way, like, like a cartoon. You know, back in the day, you'd have like an angel on this shoulder and a devil on this one, right? Okay, so, so, so you look at one side, you know, and you say, okay, is, is this good to, to pay attention to? You know, is this, is this the direction I need to go? If you don't feel peace, 
go ask the other side. When you feel peace, real peace only comes from God, you run with it. That's testing the spirits. And I know y'all are looking at me like it can't be that simple. It is. It's that simple. The problem is you ain't tried it. That's the problem. That's why you think it can't be that simple because you ain't tried it. Try it out. Let me know how that goes. I'm anxious to know. Let me know how that goes. Test it. And that's in all decisions, by the way, guys. And that's if somebody comes up to you and tells you something. Like, I've had people, oh, man, okay, I'm fixing to leave. I had a guy come to George store one day, and uh, he, he was telling me that God told him that, that I was supposed to do something. I wasn't supposed to do this. And I knew it real quick. It was pretty obvious to me because as soon as he said it, I, I, I had this feeling of just like uncomfortableness. Like I didn't even want to be around this guy. Guys, that, that's the Holy Spirit telling you that. And in that moment, I didn't even have to test the spirits because God made it quick for me to understand. But if you have those situations, somebody comes up to you, God gave me a word to give you. This is the word that he told me to give you. You test it. And let me tell you something. Even if you think that person's great, if I walk up to you, and I say, God told me, okay, like if I, if, I, if I walked over to Summer and Jeremy and said, hey, God told me to tell you you're supposed to give me your entire savings account. You know, they're like, well, that's our pastor. You know, he hears from God. Like, I need to, I need to do this, right? They would immediately test the spirits, okay? But guys, even if it's somebody like that, because here's what I need you to understand. I might come to you and say, I feel God's given me a word for you, and this is it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll never come to you and say, you know, I'll say I feel if I'm not 100% positive. Because sometimes God wants that because he's testing you. You see what I'm saying? He's testing your obedience. Will you go tell somebody something? So I'll walk up to somebody and I'll say, listen, I, I'm really struggling with this. I've been praying about it, but I really feel like God is wanting you to go in this direction. And I'll say this, you need to go pray about it. Some of y'all are shaking your head because I told you that. You go pray about it, okay? Because here's the thing. Even your pastor has flesh. Even your pastor has pride. And sometimes it gets in the way, okay? Just going to be honest. That's all of it. We're never going to always be perfect. Our discernment's not going to always be perfect. But what I need you to grab out of all of this is when somebody comes and tells you something, whether it be fake news, whether it be something about your life, your family, your finances, whatever it may be, before you move, talk to God. Test the spirits, okay? Make your life a lot easier. I want to put into perspective how scary this persuasion trap can be. I want you to go back in time. We're going to go back to the 1930s when a man named Adolf Hitler was trying to take over the world. Without social media, without, without social media, because it didn't exist back then, Adolf Hitler had 13.6 million people believing his agenda. 13,600,000 people believed his agenda. How many do you think would believe it now with social media? How many people could he reach now with social media? Think about it. We got a lot of people out there just going to follow whatever way you point. Think about it. Persuasion is scary, guys. That trap is very scary. Social media is leading, and it's starting to be, a political powerization. 
The last trap is the comparison trap. The idea of jealousy or comparison is nothing new. It goes all the way back to in the Bible and the biblical times, but social media has heightened our awareness of it. Before social media, if you want to know what was going on with somebody, you had to go to their house. Now all you got to do is pull up your social media page. Because of this, people are starting to compare their own reality with someone else's highlight reel. There's a lot of people, I see it a lot of times, you know, they'll post a picture on social media and, and, and they're all happy, you know, big smiles on their face. Family's perfect, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's fake, by the way. Like, that's so fake. But, you know, the kids are acting great. They're on vacation in Disney World, taking pictures with Mickey. You know, they're doing all these things, you know, and they're, they're posting pictures of clothes that they have or a purse. Y'all quit doing that because every time my wife sees it, she's like. But, guys, what I need you to understand is you are seeing a, the best moment of their entire day. Just, just a moment. Just a moment. You know, I remember we went to Disney World, Mandy took all these pictures, and I remember seeing one on social media, but what you didn't know was right after that, it started pouring down rain, and we got in a big argument, trying to get the kids in certain places. You know, you didn't see that on social media. We start to look at one glimpse of somebody's life for a quarter of a second, and our mind immediately goes into, man, why can't I have that? Why can't I be at Disney World? Why can't I have those clothes? Why can't I be that skinny? Why can't I have hair like that? I want those shoes. You know? Why, why am I not as tall as Bojo? You know? When Bojo comes up here, he says, a short, stocky dude. Nobody can be six foot five like you. Not everybody's six foot five, all right? Big giant back there, you know, big guy. He's a gentle giant, by the way. He's such a teddy bear. <laughs> oh, first off, you need to understand just a few moments by, by what I'm talking about, guys. It's just, it's just a part of their day. It's just a small part. The comparison trap makes you ask yourself, again, why can't I have those things? Guys, what I need you to know is when you're jealous, I've said this before, when you're jealous, you're not happy with what God's already given you. Let's not be that way. I'm looking right now, and I see Tristan walking up with his new son. You look good, man. I'm telling you. And, and I look back there, and I see Kenley with a fake baby, but still, that's okay. <laughs> but all kidding aside, guys, we all have something that we can praise God about. Amen? Quit being jealous of others. God wanted them to have it. He didn't want you to have it. Understood? Let's be happy with what he has blessed us with. Jealousy is 100% evil. Let's go look at James chapter 3, verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Every kind. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know there were different kinds of evil. 
you know, evil to me is just evil. This verse scares me a little bit. This tells me that jealousy brings out a lot of evil, different kinds of evil. Like, that's scary. That alone should keep you from being a jealous person. The evil that comes from jealousy in the comparison trap is affecting our young generation in record numbers. Our younger generation is so ingrained in trying to be like others instead of being who God made them to be. Guys, I'm going to pull up some data, and I did a lot of research on this, and I think it's going to catch some of you off guard, but since 2009, remember that year, 2009, depression and anxiety in teens has gone up 350%. Since 2009, besides accidental death, suicide has become the number one cause of death for teenagers. Besides accidental death, guys. We're talking a car wreck, something of that nature. In other words, besides, again, accidental death, it is the number one thing that's taking our teens from this world. Prior to 2009, (laughs) this is crazy, suicide for teens, it was behind homicides, cancer, and other diseases. Hospital admissions for self-inflicting wounds since 2009 for teenagers between the ages of 15 and 19 has gone up 62%. Ages 10 to 14 up 189%. We're talking about a child. We're not even talking about a teenager anymore. Since 2009, suicides for kids between the ages of 15 and 19, up 71%. Ages of 10 to 14, 151%. Again, we're talking kids. Why since 2009? In 2009, you could get Facebook on your cell phone. The first social media you could get on your cell phone. 2009. That's a scary year. The prior 50 years to 2009, guys, teen suicide had only gone up 12%. I'm going to give you all a visual on this. Nick, could you pull that chart up? Since 1950 to 2009, look at this. Guys, it got better. It got better. Since 2009. Parents, I promise I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm aiming at your heart, I'm telling you. After seeing this chart and listening to these numbers, how confident are you with your kids, with your kids, your teenagers, with social media? 
Are you protecting your kids the way that you need to? You know, I was talking to this about somebody else, and they, they actually said, Mike, I don't think you need to talk about that in the church. I looked at this person. I said, you don't have a teenager. Guys, our kids, they're not mature enough to handle this world, okay? They're not mature enough. Ten-year-olds sure as heck ain't mature enough. Social media is killing our kids. Are you hearing me? To have that kind of increase just because they have such an easy access to it. I need you to keep in mind now, it went, it went down here, right? I mean, AOL was right here, and it, and it went down. Because AOL, if you remember, these kids, y'all don't know what AOL is. If you remember, I mean, you, you could, there, there were no pictures. There were no pictures on AOL. I think there were later on, but, you know, when it first came out, you didn't have that. You could, you could send them a text through the computer. That's as far as you got. You didn't have things to look at and compare yourself to. I mean, the only thing you could compare yourself with was how, how good your connection was. I mean, it took me 15 minutes to get on AOL. I go to my buddy's house, it's like, boop, just like that. Did the whole dial-up thing in just, you know, just a few seconds, he was on there. Like, for me, it was constant all the time. We was poor. We lived in Linden. That was a big part of that, too. <laughs> but guys, on a serious note, I think it's pretty obvious. We got a problem. We have a problem. And for you teenagers that are sitting in this room, you need to recognize this problem. I'm not as worried about it right now, to be honest with you, with the teenagers that are sitting in this room because it was just taught to them. But I want you to think about the churches that are not teaching this. I want you to think about the parents that are not telling their kids this, and they're just going about it as it's a normal thing. Depression and anxiety, guys, it's like every other teen I come across is struggling with it. And it's because this world is corrupting our kids. And they're corrupting us too. We have to never conform to the ways of this world. We must renew our minds. Now that this social media series is over, I want all of you to ask yourself a question. Is your relationship with social media, is it, a, is it a good relationship or is it an unhealthy relationship? And the biggest question I got for you besides that is if it's an unhealthy relationship, can you walk away from it? Are you addicted? You know, I said this two, two sermons ago. The, the, only, the only industries that call their customers users is illegal drugs and social media. After this whole series of three weeks, if things have been jumping out in you and just in attacking you, okay, <laughs> the things that I've been pointing out and saying and so forth, if any of it grabbed a hold of you and the Holy Spirit is shaking you, can you walk away? If you can't, you've become a tool. 
You know, some people may think it's funny, but I don't. I mean, I truly believe it's a drug. I think people that struggle with drug addiction, it's the exact same thing. And y'all may say, no, it's not, Micah, there's no way. I I want you to think about something. How do you think God looks at it? If it's an idol, it's an idol. If it's a sin, it's a sin. We need to look at it the same way. It's a serious, serious problem. 